Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles and will join me in the book of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to ask you uh, to join me for just a few passages of Scripture. And uh, we'll begin reading verse number 6 down through verse number 10. And uh, I just appreciate the good spirit I have felt here this morning from the, from the very beginning. 1 Corinthians 14 and 6. The Bible says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to, either, speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophecy or by doctrine? And even things without life, Give, giving sound, whether a pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Amen. There is something today I believe we can agree on, and that is there is a lot of noise in the world in which we live. A lot of noise. And so I want to speak this morning from this thought a clear message. A clear, if there was ever a time that we need a clear concise message let it be now you may be seated and thank you for standing in your worship the apostle Paul used three simple illustrations to prove a point in scripture and that is that there must be understanding if there is going to be any spiritual ministry if there's going to be any edification perhaps I should say that comes from spiritual ministry there must be understanding. And so Paul, in his own unique fashion, used three illustrations. And so all, of, all three of those were found in our text this morning. He talked about musical instruments. And then he talked about a bugle that would call, or a trumpet that would call people to battle or signify direction in a battle. And then the apostle Paul used as an illustration our own daily conversations. And so he begins with a musical instrument and he said, if a musical instrument does not give a clear and a distinct sound, then no one can recognize what is being played. I don't think I'm alone in this, but um, I've watched people play instruments beautifully. Our musicians here are so skilled and talented and we appreciate uh, the first class nature in which they offer their gifts unto us and to the Lord. 
and you watch somebody play an instrument and, and you just kind of think in the back of your mind, I ought to be able to do that. You watch somebody play a guitar and, and they're just all over those frets and you think, you know, surely with the ease of which they're doing that, that effortless, it seems so effortless that I ought to be able to do that. But when I sit down or pick those things up, generally it doesn't sound anywhere near like that. I have the inept ability to make everything I play sound the same. Every song seems to have that same overlap. But then those musicians who have that ability to bring clarity, to enunciate certain notes that bring it out and to, to accent certain syllables, so to speak, that kind of bring clarity and distinction. And then he said, if the bugler or if the trumpeter is not sure about the sound that he's giving, because you see the bugle or the trumpet in battle was an important piece of instrument. It wasn't just a musical note, but those those notes that were being played or the sounds that were being played, he had to know whether or not he was calling people to retreat or whether he was calling people to charge. And you can be sure that none of the soldiers are going to know if he doesn't know what he's playing, they're not going to know what to do either. And so a call must be clear if it's going to be understood. And this fact is also very true in Paul's illustration of our everyday conversations. And so Paul refers to, in this passage of scripture, uses the word tongues, but he's talking about known languages. A language in and of itself is different, very unique. Each language has its own meaning. There are people here today that can speak multiple languages, and so you understand that they each have their own meaning. No matter how sincere a speaker may be, if I don't understand his language, if you and I, if we don't speak that language, then there's no way we can communicate. We can smile a lot, we can nod a lot in agreement, but we don't really have clear and concise direction because that is not a language that we speak. In the book of Numbers, I want to read a few verses from the book of Numbers chapter 10. And it's here that we're going to talk again about the trumpets. The Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them, and I want you to watch this for two reasons, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeyings, or the journeying of the camps. And so I want you to make two trumpets of silver, of whole piece shall you make them, and they are going to be used for two distinct things. One of them is going to be used to call the assembly together and the second trumpet is going to be used for the journeyings or the moving of the camps. And so when you consider the plight of Moses and the wilderness journey of the children of Israel, we can see the miraculous hand of God from the very beginning all the way to the end. And so when I begin to read about the children of Israel and their wilderness journey, the thought of how God provided for them during this journey is absolutely beyond my ability to comprehend. The Bible talks about clothes that didn't wear out for 40 years, shoes that didn't wear out for 40 years, and how that he provided for them each and every day exactly what they were going to need. And so when we consider this, 
And then we consider this against the backdrop of a population that exceeded 2 million people, you begin to understand that this took a lot of cooperation and it took a lot of precision on the part of everybody involved. It couldn't be done in an instant. It can't be done in a vacuum. Everybody is going to have to be on the same page. Without a doubt, there had to be some ground rules for this journey and there had to be some ground rules for this kind of organization. No doubt, no doubt there were guidelines that were put into place to direct the easy movement of the people throughout the wilderness. Some may ask, well, how could just two trumpets, one trumpet for gathering and one trumpet for the journey, how could that be effective among 2,000 people? Well, obviously there was somebody that had to sound the trumpet and then there were others not playing trumpets, but they had to give the signal that it's time to gather or that it's time to move. Again, a lot of organization, a lot of precision effort. But common sense would probably tell most of us that the plans that were instituted at the beginning of this journey no doubt had to be adjusted along the way. I want to talk about things that happen to us sometimes, the circumstances of our day. We require, we are required to adjust, adapt. Is there anybody here that knows what I'm talking about? Uh, this is what I set out to do, but I got to make some adjustments to, on this journey. However, I know there were some things that were forever settled day one, and those things could not be changed. Those things could not be challenged. For instance, how the Ark of the Covenant was moved, very specific in how that would take place. And so while some minor adjustments may have been made along the way, I have no doubt that there were some things that were not up for debate. And so these scriptures were to the Israelites' instructions concerning when it was time for the Israelites to prepare to move, to prepare to shift or change. And so the instructions in scripture were as follows. There were to be two trumpets and each of them made of silver. Silver is not, this is not a random choice, but the Bible talks about silver and silver is symbolic of spiritual wisdom. But silver, silver also has a reflective quality about it. And so when, when you look at something that is pure silver, it allows you to look at yourself, your own image, Amen. The word of God has that same kind of reflective quality and it will reveal who we are and what we are. I've been in services much like today when the word of God was being preached and it was a silver trumpet that was being sounded and there was a reflective quality in my heart in that word and it reminded me, it revealed to me who I, who I really am. Amen. Trumpets were, the Bible talks about two of them in number but they were formed from one piece. I believe that this, twofold, this is twofold and reflects not only the character, but it reflects the harmony of the word of God. You can begin reading in Genesis and you can end reading in the book of Revelation. And what you're gonna find from the very beginning of the book until the very end of the book is absolute harmony. Amen. They were written, these books written by holy men as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Different generations, different dispensations, some Old Testament, some New Testament, but the same God, the same voice was speaking. And so there is a constant thread of harmony throughout. There was a clear 
message. There's not a conflicting message from Genesis to Revelation, but there's a clear message from Genesis to Revelation. They, these trumpets were being used for at least a couple of things. We talked about the calling of the assembly and then the journeying of the camps. But the alarm for, or the alarm for battle or perhaps the encroachment of an enemy, these trumpets, they were not play toys. They were not just pretty images or pretty things to set on a shelf, but they had very significant meanings. And so if Moses wanted to call an assembly of the people or if he wanted to call an assembly of the leaders, the trumpet sound would give the proper signal. And it was when it was time for the camp to move, then the trumpets were gonna give a signal to move. This was the first trumpet, and it was being used as a warning or used as a sign. It was a sign that it was time to stop what you're doing, and it's time now to prepare to begin the journey. And this is called the trumpet that was a call of gathering, a call of gathering. I believe to some degree that that's what we do right here in this church and other churches across our nation and around the world. That's what we do week in and week out. For us, amen, this particular church, our normal schedule is on Sunday and on Wednesdays and our connect groups and various other times that the ministries of our church pull us together. Amen. It is the sounding of a trumpet. It is the sounding of a trumpet. It's the cry that says it's time to come together again. It's the call of gathering. I want you to understand I'm thankful for opportunities to come together. I'm thankful that there is a trumpet that says there's a call of gathering. We could have sang all of these songs to ourselves this morning in our own home. We could have hummed them. We could have rendered them to some degree sitting in the comfort of our living room. We could have read the scriptures and read over a Bible lesson perhaps emailed to us and we could have sat right in the comfort of our own home and gone over everything at least in, the, in a bullet point form of what's taking place in this service. But what feels in all the gaps and what what presses this thing into a shape that makes sense, into a form that has meaning. It's the fact that we didn't do this individually at home at different addresses and longitudes and latitudes, but what was significant is early this morning, people started driving down Cephas-Liston Road. They were turning into a specific place, a specific, a specific point, and they didn't just come here randomly, they came here at a certain time. Why? Because there was a trumpet that sounded and said it's time to gather, hallelujah. It's time to gather together in the house of the Lord. Amen, I'm encouraged in our world of social media. When I read people, especially from our own local church, when I read of people that are on Friday or Saturday, they're talking about, I can't wait to be together in the house of God tomorrow. We're just a few days away from Sunday. We're just a few days away from Wednesday. What we're really trying to say is that we're just a few days away from somebody picking up the trumpet and they're gonna sound it clear and it's gonna be a sound, amen, a trumpet that's a call of gathering, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
the second trumpet that sounded was the sign that it was time to start moving because you see they weren't just traveling on vacation they weren't just meandering across the country they weren't sightseeing just stopping from town to town buying souvenirs as they went no amen they had their hinge point they had their baseline all the way back at Genesis 12 and 7 amen when the Lord said to Abraham I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey and when that promise came to Moses Moses said the Lord said to Moses I'm going to lead you by day with a pillar of cloud and by night I'm going to lead you with a pillar of fire and so the the people would set up camp but they weren't living there they weren't building homes they weren't digging footers they weren't pouring lentils they were just driving tent stakes in the ground because they know one day somebody's going to pick up that second trumpet and it's not just going to be a sound of gathering but it's going to be time to move somebody sensed that the pillar of cloud is moving somebody sensed that the pillar of fire is moving and so we're going to be moving not only did the leaders and the people have to keep their eyes open but they had to pay attention to pay attention to the cloud but they also had to keep their ears open for the sounding of the trumpet for the sounding of the trumpet I said it a moment ago somebody someone is going to sound the trumpet but there were others that had the task and the responsibility to hear that sound and then signify to somebody else we're talking about two million people here and so somebody had to hear the the trumpet and then somebody had to pass the signal from camp to camp to camp. I'm praying for some people this morning that'll say you know I'm going to take the I'm going to take the so-called earbuds out of my ears. I want to be attentive. I want to hear. I want to listen. Praise the Lord. I want to listen to what the spirit of the Lord is speaking to the church in this hour. The message is very simple. The children of Israel could never take the chance to venture too far away from the camp. I just can't take the chance. I just can't run the risk of getting too far away that I not hear the calling of the first trumpet. Amen, because if you don't hear the first trumpet, that is going to certainly mean that you're going to be unprepared for the sounding of the second trumpet. If you're unable to hear the sound of the first trumpet, then you're not going to be prepared to hear the second sound. And that's why we must understand the unique battle that we face in this closing church hour. I say Lord help us in a world that is filled with noise and a whole lot of nonsense. Help me not miss, help me to be careful not to miss the important messages. I've had the privilege a number of times through the years to do a ride along with deputy sheriffs and things of that nature and I've always noted among several things but I've always noted one common thread that that radio chatter never stops. It is constant. It is just one call after another and it all sounds the same to me but it didn't sound the same to the person I was riding with because they understood their number. They understood their name. They understood when it was their time and amid all of the chatter, amid all of the nonsense to me that was going on, they would reach down and hit that mic and say, we got it. We got the call. We heard it and we're on our way. I was glad I was with somebody that understood 
I was thankful that I was with somebody that it wasn't just noise to them. I'm going to tell you today, amid all the chaos that's going on in our world, may the church be prepared and may the church be in tune and may the church be ready at a moment's notice to transition ourselves. Amen. One of the greatest things that we battle today is the spirit of distraction. People everywhere, everywhere are distracted. And I will tell you, as I've said countless times, that you can get distracted with noble things. Noble things. The enemy doesn't care what distracts you. Noble things can distract you. Amen. The Bible talks about if a person will not provide for their family that they're worse than an infidel. And certainly we promote them that we should make a living and work a job and provide for our families. But you know something as noble as providing food on the table and clothes on the backs of children can become so distracting that we miss the voice of God. I will tell you as a pastor, I've watched people involved in church work get distracted from the, from the voice of God. You can get so busy doing the mechanical side. It's the Mary Martha thing. It's the Mary Martha thing. You can get so distracted in doing the work of God that you miss the voice of God. Amen. I say, Lord, help me not to miss the sounding of the trumpet. Amen. You're trying to gather us back together for another word of instruction. And I want to hear what thus saith the word of God because you never know where you're going to be sitting whenever you hear that distinct word from God that you need. I want to pause right here just past Monday. I was in a, a meeting, very long meeting, early in the morning till late at night. Somewhere during the day we decided to break uh, to have a meal. And uh, so <clears throat> there, in my way of thinking, uh, we're in a hotel that has five restaurants in the lobby. And so why don't we just go down the elevator, step off the elevator right there in the lobby. I mean, you just turn left or you turn right. But I had some friends. I had some friends that, uh, that said, we want you to go with us and uh, we're going we're gonna to eat lunch. I said, where are we going? I was thinking we're going downstairs. I said, no, there's a restaurant down the way across the town. Those guys. I'm thinking we've only got a little while for lunch, so why do we want to do all this? But I didn't want to say all that. But I'm just confessing to you today, and I hope none of them hear this. <laughs> and so somewhat kicking and screaming, inside at least, <laughs> I went to lunch. But I'm going to tell you that while I was at lunch, I had no idea that the Lord was setting me up to hear a word. And so I'm sitting at lunch with some friends, people that I've known for a long time. We're sitting there, some I've met in recent years, but I was sitting beside one of those that I've met in recent times. And so he began to share the story. Somehow or another, uh, someone brought up Brother and Sister Pugh, Brother JT and Sister Bessie Pugh from uh, Texas and uh, gone on to be with the Lord, but tremendously and powerfully used of God. So as you know, as a church, we have really had a focus for a long time, and especially in the last several days. I hope you've been enjoying our, prayer, our prodigal prayer list that's been going out. Amen. Focusing on those prodigals. And so we were sitting at lunch last Monday, and the man sitting beside me started sharing this story uh, and, and with us that were sitting at the table. And he started talking about a lady by the name of Iva Veal and that she had been backslid for 10 years. And she had been in Brother and Sister Pugh's church prior to that. 
she had been away from the Lord for a long time. Not, not quite all 10 years now, but she had been away from the Lord for a long time. And the ladies of the church were uh, getting together. Sister Pew was getting the ladies together to make some peanut brittle. And they were raising money, and that was kind of a thing back in the day, and raising some money to, uh, for some particular ministry or some, something extension of the church. But they didn't have enough help. There wasn't enough ladies that were going to show up. And so Sister Pew decided to call Iva and ask her if she would come and help the ladies make some peanut brittle. And uh, so she realized that while Iva had been away from the Lord, that she had picked up the habit of smoking cigarettes. And so Sister Pew on her way, now don't lose me along the way, stay with me to the end because there is a rest of the story. So on the way to church that morning, on the way, on the way to the church that morning, Sister Bessie Pew stopped at a store and bought an ashtray. And she put that ashtray in a brown paper sack and she brought it to the church where they were working. And so as they come together and started to work, Sister Pugh knew that she had the habit of smoking. So Sister Pugh bought that ashtray, brought it to the church because she said, I know that somewhere along the course of the day, this vice, this habit, you're going to need to step outside and smoke a cigarette. And so she told Iva that. She said, I bought this for you today. And if you need to smoke, I want you to feel free to just step outside and so she said, oh, I could never do that, Sister Pew. She said, I, I'm right here at the church and around all the ladies. I don't want to do that. And so she refused to do it through the first round. And then after a while, they too went to lunch. And so while uh, they, when they finished lunch and they were sitting around, Sister Pew went back to her and said, now, I've, I've, I've never smoked. I never had this habit. But I do understand that for smokers, that when you get through eating, there's a craving uh, for you to have a cigarette. So I just want you to feel free to go back out into the breezeway there. And if you need to smoke, then we want you to be able to do that. And so she said, I could never do that. I could never do that. And so time went on. They finished their day. They finished their day, and, and Iva went her way, and the church, they went their way. But 10 years later, 10 years later, Iva prayed back through to the Holy Ghost man sitting to my left is telling this story and so he, he said that one night his phone rang and it was Iva on the other end amen so it was Iva on the other end and so she called to tell him that I prayed through to the Holy Ghost tonight I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and so he was so thrilled about this he, he said but then she spoke up and said this she said now I want to in all honesty in the interest of full disclosure tell you that you are not the first phone call I made tonight you are the second phone call I made because the first phone call I made was to sister Bessie Pugh because I had to call her and tell her that the Lord refilled me with his spirit and then she said this I wanted to call the lady who loved me in my lostness I wanted to call the lady who loved me in my lostness and then he looked at the audience this group of men we were sitting at the table and he said gentlemen I know this story is a true story because Iva Veal was my mother hallelujah and so I'm going to tell you that sometimes there's a sounding of the trumpet that's gathering us together God wanted me to sit at that table and he wanted me to sit beside the man that was telling the story because he knows that we've got an emphasis to pray for prodigals and so I just want to pause 
close my sermon today and tell you that when the sounding of the trumpet goes forth, we need to be sensitive. But the other side of that message is this. We need to love people in their lostness. We need to love them in their lostness. Hallelujah. Wait on out into the water. Wait on out into the mud. Wait on out into the mire. There's going to be a sounding of the trumpet and that's going to be a clear sound. I don't want my mind to be somewhere else. I don't want my heart to be somewhere else. I don't want my prejudice to be somewhere else. I say, Lord, if you can love them, help me to love them in their lost. Amen. The Lord, the Lord is a gatherer. He is a gatherer by nature. Jesus mentioned, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen gathereth her brood. So as the children of Israel, we have a responsibility to stay close enough to the church that we can hear the sound of the trumpet. And you've got to be very careful not to entangle yourself with the things of the world because Jesus said this, that the cares of life can choke out the word. That's what your Bible says. The cares of life, the word that went forth in Genesis, let there be and there was, let there be and there was. The word, the word that went forth and opened blind eyes and deaf ears and, and the lame to walk and set the demonic of Gadara free that we heard about this morning. Amen. That same word can be choked out with the cares of life. Amen. And so as the pastor of this church, I clearly understand my responsibility and that is to sound the trumpet and to sound it with clarity. 1 Corinthians 4 and 8, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? And so week in and week out, I stand behind this desk and do my best to reach everyone in this church, saint and sinner alike. And the reason I'm blowing the first trumpet this morning is because I'm trying to prepare us for the sounding of the second trumpet. Hallelujah. The reason I'm trying to blow with clarity the first trumpet this morning is there's another trumpet that's going to sound and we're closer than we have ever been to the sounding of that second trumpet. Praise God. Praise God. We are living in a day when many people don't want a pastor or a shepherd. They just want a preacher. Somebody that can encourage them and lift them up week in and week out. But please, whatever you do, stay in your lane. Don't step on anybody's toes. Amen. John 10 talks about a hireling and not a shepherd. He said a hireling sees the wolf coming, but he leaves the sheep because he's getting out of there himself. He don't want to entangle himself. The Bible says in verse 13, the hireling flees because he's a hireling and because he has no care for the sheep. But we need a watchman on the wall. Amen. Not a hireling. We need somebody that'll stand on the wall flat-footed. Hallelujah. I'm blowing a trumpet for your preparation this morning and for mine. I want to make heaven my home. I don't want to just go about uh, the antics of church. I don't want to just go about the antics of prayer and worship. I want to blow the trumpet of separation from the world and dedication to the Lord. I want to blow the trumpet about the dangers that come to our soul and the impending perils that can happen in our family. And so as a shepherd, the Lord allows the shepherd to see things that are a threat. Amen. To see things down the road. To see things coming that pose a threat. And so sometimes you sound the trumpet and the very ones you're trying 
trying to warn will not heed the call. I'm going to tell you this morning, I want my ear to the ground. I want my heart connected to the heartbeat of God because I need to hear the sounding of the trumpet. One pastor said, I've not given my life for the sheep. He said, but I have given my life to the sheep. Genesis 24 talks about how Abraham sent his servant to find a bride for his son. What a beautiful parallel this is of the ministry in, in, in the scripture. It was not an easy task. There were hundreds of miles that were involved in the journey and they were traveling by camel. And so as you read through this story, my mind quickly is filled with various scenes that they per perhaps encountered along the way. You see, one of the many things that you and I experience are equivalent to the same, or that they experience rather, are equivalent to the same journey that we're on this morning. That's why we must work together as one. I will mention just a few. The servant, Eleazar, he had already made this journey. That's so important. He had already walked this path. And so he knew exactly how to get the bride back home. Amen. I believe that Eleazar had enough sense to leave markers or at least to make mental notes. I got to get here and turn left. I got to get here and start heading east. Amen. You can't lead anyone where you've never been. And so this is true for not only ministers but every church leader as well. No doubt, no doubt that Eleazar had to serve as an encourager along the way. Again, he had been down this road. And maybe there were days that she was so weary, long, hot, weary days that were trying to discourage and prevail against her. How much longer? How many more days? There may have been times that Eleazar was just called on to have an encouraging voice. We're going to make it. Just hang in. Just over the next hill. It's not far now. Amen. Everything is going to be all right. Many things go with the call together, the call to prepare. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And as they do, I want to tell you this, that during the last 33 and a half years, I've made a habit to never ask of this congregation. I've never asked you to do much for me personally. However, I have never been ashamed to ask you to regularly keep me and my family in your prayers. I often thank the Lord for the prayer warriors that we have in this church. And I'm thankful for their voices that constantly and consistently, seamlessly lift us up in prayer. Just this morning, just this morning as I was preparing to come to service and going over the last minute of my notes, I received a text message from a pastor friend of mine. He lives in another state. They too were heavily involved in our general conference this past week. And so I know that his schedule was very, very heavy. But he said yesterday, he said, I had my wife to drive us home while I finished preparing my message for this morning. And then he closed his text by saying this. He said, I am no hero. I run and live by the grace of God and by the strength of the prayers of many people. There's no, there's no big S on anybody's chest. There's no cake flying in the wind. What sustains the ministry for the church today are the, is the prayers of the saints. Amen. Lifting up in prayer. Lifting up in prayer. And I can honestly tell you that all 
through the years, we have felt the strength of your prayers. So I say pray for us and pray for us often. Because I want to have the, the strength to get up every day and sound the trumpet with the same measure of clarity. Amen. You see, sometimes if you're not careful as days turn to weeks and weeks to months and years and years to decades, there could be a waning, a weariness, a fatigue. But I know it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to happen. So pray that we will sound the trumpet with great clarity. I'm thankful for ministers of God and I will tell you this, that as life moves forward, I've, I've, I've always been thankful for this, but it just seems like their value goes up and their prayer and their investment goes up in value. I'm thankful for ministers of God who watched out for my soul when I didn't have the wherewithal to watch out for my own. I thank God for people that blew the trumpet and they blew it loud and they blew it strong. Amen. So that it might make me pause and, and reevaluate my own life and to just arrest me where I am. I don't want to be offended because somebody loved me enough. So we got to get over a few things. Amen. Let's stand together. You know, if you got a good doctor, a good doctor is going to tell you how it is. I'm not talking about someone with no bedside manner. But if you have a good physician, they're just going to be real with you. When you get to certain change points at your life, they're going to talk to you differently than they did 10 years before. Amen? I've been privileged to have the same family doctor for the biggest part of my life, really. And so, my first appointment to see him for a physical after the age of 50, he talked to me about things he had never talked to me about. He took a chance on hurting my feelings. He reached over in a, in a little drawer in the room and he pulled out a scrap piece of paper and he reached in his shirt pocket and he, and he starts this little chart and he draws a circle here and then he starts doing this going up and he writes the number 50. He said, now I want to just tell you something. He said, you can do almost anything you want to do and make this first 50. You can live like you want to live. Eat like you want to eat. You can just do almost anything and make this first 50. He said, but from here, if you're going to see many more, you got to be careful. I was already dealing with the fact that I was 50. He didn't walk in there and say, now sit down. I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, he just got a piece of paper and a pen. And he drew a little dot and another dot. And he drew a line. He said, you can do almost anything and get here. But it's after here. So if you want to go after here, you need to listen to me like you've never listened before. That's what he's trying to say. Amen. I'm not setting you up this morning. I'm just being honest.
that we need somebody that can just do what he did for me that, that day. It created a pause. And I thought, you know, I, I am, I think, a very practical person, so I, I can really understand a practical approach. That made sense. Zero, 50, a bunch of people can get here. But I had to take pause and realize this man is much older than me and he's watched a lot of people do this thing called life. And so I can write him off as just an old guy or I can write him off as somebody that's known me for a long time and wants to help me see at least part of the next 50. He was sounding the trumpet. It was a sound of gathering. Amen. I'm thankful for people that would sound the trumpet. Not to purposefully make me mad, but they realized the responsibility to sound a trumpet. I thought of something this morning, Brother Newburn, that you said many, many years ago. You may not remember this, but I do. Many years ago, you said, I have the responsibility to say something, and you have the responsibility to hear it. So church is a two-way street. I didn't just come with my Bible under my arm responsible to preach, but you walked in the other doors with a, a responsibility to hear, to hear the word of the Lord. And this one thing I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, that not one person in this building got where you are today without the help of somebody that refused to stop blowing the trumpet. And so I suppose it all comes down to this. That if we will not hear the sounding of the first trumpet from the vantage point of the pulpit, then we're never going to be able to hear the second trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And so, Lord, help me to sound with clarity. Help me to have a clear message. Amen, amen. I wonder if you just slip your hands up, maybe just pray where you are. If you'd like to step out of your seats this morning and come to the front, just reevaluate where you are. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.